Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. Well, John, I think we have an awesome show lined up for today. Um, you know, a million dollars just isn't what it used to be. Isn't that right? That That's kinda, what I'm hearing. Yeah, that kind of used to be the bogey, right? People would say a million dollars, you know, if you hit that, that that was the, the level you needed to be at. And, you know, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is inflation. And so a million dollars does not go as far as it used to. So we're going to dive into some of the reasons why that is the case. Yeah, in the old days, it seemed like a million dollars. It was more than you could possibly spend, but uh, that's not the case anymore. We've seen that. So that'll be a good one. And then we're also going to talk about six expensive home maintenance mistakes. John, I mean, there are some things in the home that Mm -hmm. can cost you a bundle if you mess those up and let things go unattended to. So we're going to dig into that. These are six of them you want to make sure you don't let go unattended. So... uh, that's going to be good. Um, but I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner, and I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 20, experience, 20 years experience in providing financial planning investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro, and I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly podcast show. We are up every Friday afternoon, Friday morning. Um, right there off our website. Yeah, you can also go to moneymd.net. We have a link um, that you can go to the podcast and uh, you can download the podcast. You can listen to it there at your uh, computer. Uh, a lot of different ways to listen to the Money Doctors. We get a lot of good feedback. People listen to this on a weekly basis and um, you know we're out here just trying to educate and we've got some really good topics today as well. Absolutely. And also you can reach us by email. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. This comes from the Department of Commerce, and um, this, this is good news, right? Um, we sometimes have to deliver bad news. We, we're realists on the show, but um, this is good. The personal savings rate in the, in the United States this year, in uh, 2017, was almost 6%, and that's significantly higher than what it was back in 2005, so 12 years ago. But at that time, it was only 2%. So it seems like people are saving more. Now, 6% sounds good, and it is better than it used to be, but it's not enough. No, it's definitely not enough. I mean, 6%, that's a lot better than 2. I mean, that's three times 2. So it's amazing that, you know, that's gone up that much over the past over 10 years here, 12 years. But Still, I mean, our the the rule of thumb we use is ten to fifteen percent mm-hmm. of your is of your income is what you need to be saving. You need to save ten percent just to cover kind of the non routine things that come up and the expenses. But you you need to have fifteen percent total going toward retirement if you want to live like no one else. That's in right. Retirement, as Dave Ramsey then, says, exactly. Then you need to save fifteen percent now. And if you do that, we've never seen anybody that retired, I haven't, that has been doing that for a significant period of time, say 10 years or more, that has come up short for retirement. Yeah, that's right. And as long as you're invested properly, we talk about the diversification. That's another piece of the puzzle. But you're right. If someone's saving 15% nine times out of 10 or 99 out of 100, they're going to be spot on where they need to be. Exactly. So that's a great fact of the week. Okay. That leads us up here to our first topic. A million dollars. 
It's not what it used to be. Well, it just sounds like so much money, John. I don't know. Yeah, you know, growing growing up in the seventies and eighties, you know, you you heard about the mythical million dollars, and you would see. Um, you remember Magnum PI? Yeah, yeah, with a sports car. You know, he had that. Um, was it? I don't know, Lamborghini or whatever. Was yeah, it a red car? Uh, yeah, my uh, my wife's roommate uh, Tracy out there. She used to have a, a big picture of uh, mm-hmm. Magnum PI. What's his? What's his? What was his name? Back? I don't know. Anyway, you know, on her wall in her dorm room, I remember seeing him over and over again. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. She used <laughs> to have him on the wall there, and uh, yeah, that was kind of the image of the million dollar yeah, guy, wasn't it? That's right. And you, you know, mansions and uh, the, you know, rock stars on MTV, and you know, now that we're in the financial industry, uh, we, we understand the harsh reality that a million dollars really is not what it used to be. Um, you know, we know people that spend lavishly on, on material possessions and, um, there aren't necessarily that wealthy. So, you know, a million dollars is not, you know, it's not an amazing amount of money anymore. It, It is a lot. And, uh, for some people it can be enough depending on what your lifestyle is, but, sure. but for a comfortable retirement and some of the reasons why we're, we're about to go through, it may not be enough. And, you know, we've had to talk to clients about this in the past that maybe a million is not enough to meet their lifestyle. And sometimes they give us like, you know, funny looks of why not. And so you go through a retirement plan and you look at that. Um, and sometimes they have to work another couple of years, maybe get a million and a half dollars to, in order to fund their lifestyle. So, you know, obviously every financial situation is, is different. So it really does depend. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we've seen, you know, time and again, folks show up and they kind of have a number in the back of their mind of what they need to get to. And a lot of times it is that million dollar number. I mean, it's a nice round number, you know, I mean, it's seven figures. It's, it's a big number. Um, but, and they think they can retire with that number. And then when you run the real planning, you know, they come up with that number without running any real planning. When you run real planning, unfortunately, you have to point out that it may not be quite enough, mm-hmm. you know, or it may not be enough at all. Um, so, I mean, most of us agree, you know, there are a lot of things you need to consider in this business when you're planning for retirement. And there are factors like assumptions like rates of return, withdrawal rates. Um, you know, what, how you're invested, taxes, yields on fixed income, inflation, the downturns in the portfolio, how it recovers, how much you're having to withdraw in down markets. All those things are factors that influence how much money you really need to retire on. So you got to do some real planning. Yeah, that's right. And this money needs to last until you, you know, pass away. And, and no one knows that, but we see people living longer and longer have a grandmother who will be 102 this year. And um, man, that's, uh, that's incredible what technology is doing. So here are the five reasons why, why a you know, million dollar nest egg could leave you short. And um, so the number one here on the list, probably not surprising, Steve, is healthcare spending. Most people don't think about the, the true cost of healthcare in retirement, but it's very, very expensive. Um, you know, unfortunately, you have to bridge the gap if you do retire early, um, between that and Medicare at age 65, and that can be extremely expensive. So the earlier your retirement, the larger that gap's going to be. Um, so if you're retiring and you're 65, that may not be an issue for you, but it's still something that you have to take a look at when you do the, the planning associated with it. Yeah, and you need to consider that. I mean, Medicare may not be what it what mm-hmm. it is today, you know, 10 years down the road, I mean, there's quite a shortfall there. And if they don't address it someday, they're going to have to start cutting benefits in Medicare. You know, a Medicare supplement is very, very expensive today and is getting a lot more expensive. So, 
And in Medicare Part B, you have to pay for it. And depending on your income level, you have to pay more and more for that. So uh, it's a lot to think about, you know. So you need to have some contingency built in for medical expenses. Number two here on the list, though, is long-term care. I mean, long-term care is rarely mentioned by retirees when they're just retiring, you know, mostly because they assume they won't need it or they assume it's not something you don't need to think about till maybe in your late 60s. But this is one area where you could suffer if you don't plan well ahead. I mean, the annual cost of an assisted living facility in the United States is around $45,000 a year now. And, you know, in the 20 years, projected cost uh, of the same level of care is expected to to almost double, you know, to over $80,000. And that's assisted living, right? That's right. That's not a nursing home. Nursing home is going to be, you know, $70,000. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, you factor all that into a million-dollar portfolio, and it could, you know, in short and devastating fashion, it could wipe it out. So, you you got to factor in, you know, the big picture, the cost of long-term care. You need to consider a long-term care insurance policy or, or, or perhaps have a couple hundred thousand dollars extra built into the picture to make sure that you have some contingencies for long-term care expenses. That's a significant risk you have to factor in. Yeah, it definitely is. Number, number three here on the list of, of why a million dollars may not be enough is retirement lifestyle. I mean, you, know, you look at a large component of retirement planning is figuring out how much you'll need to spend. And, um, you know, not everyone takes the time to run those numbers, but if you do, uh, it's going to help you give you a, a better picture. So, you know, it's good to sit down and uh, look at a couple of key questions such as, you know, do you plan on living in the same house? Um, sometimes people want to downsize, which will help their financial situation. You got to look at elderly parents. Are you going to have to take for, take care of them um, in that process? Adult children is another consideration that you have to look at. Um, how about your home? Do you have that paid off? So these are a lot of questions that you have to look at. And, and you know, the truth is everyone and everything has a plan for your money. I mean, you know, you got people out there, marketing companies that are trying to get you to spend your money. And if you don't go through and, and do some planning and, and take the reins of it, um, your lifestyle expenses are going to eat away at your nest egg. Right? Yeah. And if you plan to play all the, the bucket list golf courses around the world, like I do, John, you, you might need to put in about a 20% contingency in that, <laughs> in that, uh, retirement planning scenario. Yeah. And that, that's a good, good point, Steve. So if you do know that you're going to have expenses for, for golf, or maybe you have a, an expensive hobby, you know, an airplane on the side or whatever, you got to build that in. If you don't build that in, you get there and, and, uh, you start having health issues and healthcare and long-term care, and you don't have any room in your budget for that. So make sure you spend some time, ask those tough questions um, with your advisor as you're sitting there planning on what are your, what, what's retirement going to look like. Um, number four here on the list, maybe the most important one, that's inflation. That's you know, a big one. We, we talk about inflation uh, really as a key factor for future retirees. And, and to be honest, Steve, you know, we see most people don't realize how much inflation can erode uh, their purchasing power because it happens at a, at a very slow pace. And so as an example, if inflation were to rise at a 3% annual rate, most investors are really not going to notice it over, you know, year to year. However, over a 20-year time, you know, span, your purchasing power will will be cut in half. So think about Huge. that. In 20 years, you'll have half the money that you have today. And, uh, you know, if you want to maintain a similar lifestyle, that means you're going to increase your income 
on an annual basis, which means you need to have a bigger nest egg in order to provide that income. So you've got to account for inflation. That's right. When we see people do their own retirement planning, they're almost always are only planning for the first year of retirement. Mm -hmm. They're trying to figure out, will I have enough the first year I retire? And when they do that, they totally neglect inflation. And when we run numbers for folks that run out 30 years in retirement, a 1% change in inflation is huge. It's massive. Yeah, you're right. It's massive. So you really have to look at the best best case, worst case scenario with inflation. That changes the entire picture it in does. retirement. I remember reading an article a couple of years ago. It was in the Aiken Standard, and it was from a retiree that used to be with DuPont. And he retired in 1989. I think he had $25,000 a year. And the the um, the issue was is that there's been no inflation adjustments on on the Savannah River site pensions, ever. right? Right. And so it was just it was just saying how 25 today doesn't go anywhere close to what it did back in 1989. He was feeling the impacts of inflation. It had been cut in half. Basically. Wow. Yeah, that's so. a big deal. Most pensions don't get inflation coverage, yeah, so right. you got to plan on that with your investments. That's right. And the final one here, Steve, is is taxes. I mean, another factor in retirement. That's mostly forgotten about is taxes now and also in the future. And obviously no one has a crystal ball um, and we don't know exactly what taxes are going to do. If I had to bet and I'm not a betting person, I think tax rates are going to go up um, in the future. When you start looking at where we are from a um, you know national debt standpoint, I think taxes are going to go up. So that's something you definitely need to consider. Yeah, you have to think taxes probably aren't going to be lower in the future given our debt and kind of where we are as a country. But they could be a lot higher. So, you know, it's a very important factor that you need to at least build in to the financial picture when you're running a retirement plan. If you fail to consider the possibility of higher taxes, your money could disappear a lot faster than you think. And while a million dollars is a huge milestone and it's something to be proud of, you know, many people will need a lot more than that in savings and retirement and part of that reason is to cover in taxes. So, you know, of course, it depends on pensions and Social Security and other sources of income. And that's why you have to do the planning and run the numbers to really know what you need in retirement. Yeah, absolutely. So if you haven't done this for your situation, go run some numbers. Make sure if, you, if you're doing something online, it has that inflation factor in there. Uh, we talk about it frequently. Do a, a budget or a spending plan. Make sure you understand what you're going to need. If you need help with some of that, you can, you can certainly reach out to the money doctor's we run through multiple scenarios, looking at rates of return and, you know, different income scenarios. And, and it, it does give you a peace of mind that as you look at the, the different opportunities over time um, that you can fall into one of those and feel comfortable that your retirement is, you know, going to be where you want it to be. Exactly. So a million dollars may not get her done not, anymore. huh? Okay. A lot. It is a lot, but it's typically not enough. Yeah, that's a good point. Unless they have pensions and Social Security. This is true. It depends on your situation. Maybe plenty, but uh, it may not, too. So you got to look at the whole picture. All right, and that leads us up here to the question of the week. Uh, speaking of pensions, uh, we get this question pretty frequently. There are still some employers in the area that have uh, pension as a uh, as a benefit, which is fantastic. And so the question is, is do I need 100% joint and survivor protection, which just means that your spouse would get, if you passed away, would get 100% of the pension? Or do I need something less than that? Sometimes 25% is an option, 50% is an option, um, 75% is an option. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's um, specific to that individual. Maybe the other person has a pension. If you have a million dollars or $2 million in a portfolio, it's less um, needed to have the 100% protection. But in most cases, 
having a little bit higher, the 75% or the 100% option is is usually not a bad choice because you're providing you know, some protection to your spouse. Right, exactly. It depends on your individual situation and you know, you you may not need a hundred percent. Depends on. I mean, if you does your spouse have a pension? Right, is a big issue. Sure. You know, what is their social security going to look like? So, it, you got to run, you got to run the estate planning kind of numbers to know what does your survivor need, how much do you need, and it may you may be able to cover it cheaper with insurance. Yes. So if you have insurance, that's another huge factor in determining that. Yeah, so part of the, you know, some people say, well, how do financial advisors add value to their clients is going through these type of scenarios that we're talking about and helping you make a good decision. It's sitting down and, and helping you make, you know, what's what's a wise decision based on your circumstances. So a lot of times 100% is needed, but sometimes it's not based on, you know, the assets that you have. Right. But great, great question. Okay, and that leads up to our next topic here, and that is the six expensive home maintenance mistakes. Yeah, this comes out of an article from uh, Bottom Line Personal here recently. And, um, John, you know, I mean, we don't typically give detailed advice on home maintenance or repairs um, to your house. I, I certainly don't do that. <laughs> I do a lot of fix it up around the yes, house, you do. so I know a lot about that. Contracted my own house back in the day. And, um, you know, but however, I mean, there are some things that are really, really important in the home and they can save you a lot of money. So today we are going to put on our, our fix it up hats and we're going to talk about some of the most important items around the home that can save you or cost you a lot of money, you know, if you neglect them or they can save you money if you don't neglect them. So sometimes people tend to, to let seemingly little problems go unattended to and for a long time, and before you know it, it can turn into a big problem with expensive repair bills. You know, th- simple things like replacing air conditioning filters or cleaning out a drain line can prevent a huge repair bill and save you a lot of money if they're done routinely. You know, other times a simple mistake in doing a home maintenance task can cost you a bundle to straighten out if something goes awry. So here are six problem areas to avoid and how to save big um, by not making these mistakes. Yeah, number one here on the list is not changing the AC filter or maybe even installing them backwards. <laughs> seems, seems like a simple enough, yeah, you know, it, does. it doesn't seem like that could cost a lot. Yeah, but you know, most homeowners know that furnaces and air conditioners, they have filters and that should be replaced every couple of months You know, when they're in use. And if not, I mean, your system is going to be inefficient, power bill could soar, uh, and the system uh, may not cool properly. And, you know, some kil- uh, filters, you need to make sure you understand this, can be cleaned rather than replaced, so you can save some money on that. Uh, however, some homeowners do not realize that these filters are designed to work in only one direction, and they actually get them, they install them backwards, which can be a huge mistake. I mean, if you do that, then um, it does a poor job of filtering the uh, airborne particles, and it will also inhibit the airflow and um, may cave in under the force and not filter at all. So what's worse um, is the lack of proper filtering can then quickly can mess up the coils in your system and, and make the whole system very, very inefficient. So, um, you know, make sure that you're doing the AC filters um, routinely and also that they're installed properly. That's right. Look for the arrows on the side of the filter. Um, they should point in the direction of the airflow, which almost always means they port point inward toward the furnace or the air conditioner and not away from it into the house um, because airflow, you know, and the filter should always be flowing into the unit, not out of it. And most homeowners, they neglect to vacuum out around the compartment too. And so 
you know, when you're, if you do that, then as soon as it turns on, you'll loosen up some of that dust and it gets into the system too. Again, can foul up the coils. That's the big issue. I mean, once that, the, the coils in the system get a lot of debris stuck to them, then there's no way to clean it without having a professional cleaning job done. And that can be very, very expensive. So, um, also, I mean, homeowners who change their, their filters, uh, they usually ignore, uh, the, the oven range hood. It has a filter on it too. So you can take that out. Usually you can put it in the, in the, uh, dishwasher and you can just clean it. It's replaceable or it's, it's reusable. And uh, that'll keep smoke and uh, cooking smells out of the kitchen. And also it can prevent a fire hazard as they get clogged up with grease. So that was number one. That was a good one. Next one here is not cleaning the central air drain lines, the condensate drain lines, and checking for clogs. Um, This one's important. You may not even know this exists, but maybe you already know that in order to inhibit mold and mildew growth, you know, once or twice a year, it's kind of smart to pour some bleach down the air conditioner's uh, condensate drain line. Uh, it's the plastic pipe through which condensation uh, that's produced in the evaporator coils, it drips off and it drains out. And usually it's under the house or, or drains out this side of the house and, uh, you know, down by the, by the outside of the house. But that can be clogged up by mold, algae, insect nests. Um, can cause water to back up in the line, potentially leading to some nasty odors in the home, or even worse, water damage. Um, in fact, the one above my office, John, here in the office, mm-hmm. clogged up mm-hmm. and it leaked water on the ceiling. I mean, it can make some massive water damage. Mm-hmm. If it runs all weekend or something, you're not sure. around. Sure. So you got to clean those lines and make sure they're clear. And eventually, they do get clogged up with algae and stuff. So pouring 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 bleach in them is a great idea yeah and it may seem like a pretty straightforward job but you got to keep a couple things in mind before putting that bleach into the uh, condensate drain line get someone on the other end make sure that the water is um or the bleach is coming you know to the basement drain or outside if that's where it is and if you pour water and and your helper doesn't see the water flow come out then um you know you'll need to clear away the clogs before treating the line with bleach so the easiest way to clear the clogs is to use duct tape to create a seal between the end of the uh, uh, shop vac hose and the external end of the condensate line. And then you can turn the shop vac to suck out the obstruction. So, you know, you'll save some money by doing that. And you also maybe avoid some of the other hassles. Yeah, I thought that was a good idea. I would never would have thought of using the shop vac <laughs> yeah. to actually suck mm-hmm. the stuff out of the line. So that's a cool idea. Okay, the next mistake here, though, is not inspecting under and around your house routinely. Um, you know, it's hard to make yourself pay attention to the outside or underside of your home on any routine schedule. And if you're like most homeowners, you don't look under your house until you have to fix something or check out a problem. Unfortunately, that can mean years of not paying attention to issues that are lurking under and around the foundation of your home. You know, so there are three big problems to look for under and around the base of your house. Um, One of them is insect damage, Uh, the other is water drainage, and then there's mold. Either of those seemingly benign issues can be like a cancer eating away at the most valuable asset in your house, Um, uh, your most valuable asset, which is your house. I mean, yeah, termites, you know, they can be hard to notice if you don't know what to look for and check routinely. 
So look for any signs of dirt or dust piling up around the access points to your structure and your foundation. You know, a telltale sign of dirt termites is dirt building up around where the boards come in contact with the foundation. Um, if you see that and you leave it unaddressed, there could be thousands of dollars of damage being done every few months as they continue to eat their way through your home. So inspect for termites every six months. If you don't pay a service to inspect for you in your home, you need to you need to go check it out yourself. That's a really important issue. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, water draining under the house instead of away can... Um, you know, the, the big issues as well. You got termite uh, mold and, and not to mention rotting of the structure. So you got to make sure that you're you're looking for water drainage issues uh, every time you inspect your house. I mean, mold is a similar issue resulting from moisture buildup under the house. However, people neglect to check for this issue uh, when it's most likely in the middle of the summer when the AC is running constantly. We I'll just tell you a quick story. We had a um, uh, we have a basement and we had water coming in to the basement and we looked and looked and looked yeah. and it ended up being a drain that was coming from our house um, that had been backed up and it was just shooting water right next to our foundation. And, um, you know, we did a lot of inspection and we did a lot of work on it. But, um, you know, when you start having water in your basement, <laughs> yeah, it can after be big rains, it, it can cause a lot of, a lot of issues. So you just got to make sure that you're doing some inspections. Um, you know, routinely on the, the water drainage around your house. Exactly. Exactly. Good point. Okay, next one here on the list is damaging floors when cleaning the refrigerator coils. Well, first of all, most people probably don't even clean the refrigerator <laughs> coils, but no. uh, when you do clean your refrigerator coils, you have to most time pull your refrigerator out now. So, but yeah, as a homeowner, you, you may not know that you're supposed to remove dust and pet hair from the refrigerator coils a few times a year. Maybe you do, but doing this helps the refrigerator work efficiently, reduces energy bills, and extends the life of your refrigerator motor. Um, but cleaning those coils can become difficult. Traditionally, the coils used to be in the front and used to be able to access them mm-hmm. under the kick plate in the front of the refrigerator. That's not true anymore. Most of the coils now are uh, only accessed in the back of the refrigerator. And so you have to pull the refrigerator out to be able to do that. And homeowners often damage their kitchen floors whenever they're trying to slide the refrigerator away from the wall to the coals because it's simply too heavy and the wheels are too small. So it'll, you know, grind into the floor if you have nice floors in your kitchen, uh, unless they're tile. You know, tile's pretty durable. Otherwise, you can certainly damage it. So what you do is you take a piece of cardboard or carpet remnant, put it on the fridge before you slide it out to protect your floors. That's a <clears throat> simple, quick mistake that can be made, and, and the damage is there forever unless you pay to have it replaced or repaired. All right, the next one here on the list is failure to address water damage. Yeah, John, I mean, nothing can damage a home quite like water can and water damage. Sometimes it's easy to ignore a dark spot on the ceiling or a rotting baseboard by a door. But if you left it, leave it unaddressed for a long period of time, a small problem can turn into a very costly major repair. You know, a dark spot on the ceiling can mean that water is not only leaking through to the ceiling, but possibly down a wall somewhere or under the floor where you can't see it. And left to its own devices, it can lead to mold, rotting, structural wood, even termites. I mean, this can have a major consequences down the road. So when you don't keep your spaces like your bathrooms dry and good repair, water damage 
and mold can start to occur within days and sometimes even hours of a condition like this not being addressed, water can penetrate into the building materials to the point where it requires a complete replacement. So if water damage stays for long periods of time, mold certainly will start to occur and it can quickly lead to very costly removal or remediation. Address any signs of water damage immediately since that can quickly lead to major, major repairs. And I can tell you, after having a a, a quick flood in our home, I can yeah. tell you water damage. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen anything like water damage that can destroy a home very, very quickly. So you want to make sure you address that. Yeah, and the last one here on the list is using chemicals to, to clear a, a clogged sink, tub, toilet, shower drain. Um, you know, sometimes these chemicals are not only ineffective, but they, they can actually damage the pipes in the septic system. So best way to, to clear, you know, drain clogs is just typically with a plunger. Um, you know, you may have to cover another uh, drain hole to give it some suction, but, um, the plunger is good and we have a septic system that we occasionally have to address and we have yeah. a snake that we, that we use and so forth. But, um, you know, you gotta be careful with the chemicals that you're pouring down your pipes. So that exactly. uh, may not be a good thing. And I will say that, um, we normally, you know, tell our listeners to call us with questions, on, you know, our articles, maybe not so much on this one, right? <laughs> Call Steve. Yeah, right. <laughs> not your favorite topic, huh? <laughs> I do some of that, but Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a good article, though. It brings up some yeah, interesting no, points agree. that <clears throat> folks wouldn't think of, so, and expensive things, so. All right, and that leads up to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this is a, a simple one, and we, we do talk about this uh, periodically, but by term insurance. It's a very inexpensive way to protect your family. Some people, um, you know, whole life may fit their situation, but I think the majority of people had a friend many years ago that lost his wife, and uh, they had four kids together, and uh, they had a, a pretty healthy um, term policy that they had purchased and it was very unexpected that she passed away, but it provided him and his four kids an opportunity to uh, to continue to live um, a similar lifestyle, and you know, provided for home and in college and things like that. So uh, you just never know when you're going to need it. Term insurance is is very inexpensive, and uh, for most situations, it's a reasonable solution. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, insurance is <clears throat> can be expensive, and you know, unless you're doing estate planning or something that necessitates whole life term insurance is usually the better option so great prescription of the week okay and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of money md tune in next week to moneymd.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health also you can get us off our website investroa.com and uh, do check us out on our website email us your questions we'd love to hear from you you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks, and have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.